0: Welcome to Board Game Anonymous, episode one twenty-eight. Listeners' questions. We like to thank the listeners for giving us questions.
1: You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.
0: Welcome to Board Games Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris.
1: And this is Anthony.
0: Hey Anthony, looks like we have another episode back and we are not alone. We have our listeners with us this week.
1: Yeah, yes, I put out some questions every week in this particular time. I asked everybody to ask us questions and they did. So we're going to share the answers that we have to those questions
0: i don't know the title of this episode is listeners questions exclamation point anthony you gotta get pumped about this i am pumped (laughs) (laughs) i haven't read them yet give me time all right well hopefully anthony gets totally pumped from your questions at the feature review part of the episode but before we get into that we want to get into some great games that we've been playing all right so with that said let's get on to our acquisition disorders anthony what do you have for us this week
1: all right. Uh, continuing my trend of digging up stuff that nobody's really paying attention to. Um, <laughs> I have a couple of games that are being released at Gen Con. I think one's already out, actually, but they'll be available at Gen Con as well. From USAopoly, because let's, let's mix things up, right? <laughs> um, so the first one is the expansion from the Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle deck building game. Nice. Uh, it is called, what is it called? It's got a long name. The monster box of monsters expansion for the Harry Potter Hogwarts battle game. Wow. Yeah. So they it's a long
0: paid by the word there.
1: Yeah. I think there's even a second subtitle and then the third subtitle, a cooperative deck building game. So lots of words on the cover. <laughs> I, I did, they don't actually have a bunch up on the page on BGG. And so all they have is this little mini press release. It says it has 150 new cards. You get a fifth character. So you can rotate through play something, you know, if you, if you don't want to be Neville, it can be Luna. Okay. Um, Magical creatures, because that seems to be the kick they're on, and a couple of new abilities and um, tests, I guess they're calling them. Sure. So with the encounter. So who knows what it adds, but yeah. <laughs> it's more stuff. Gotcha. Uh, the original game is already kind of bloated when you get towards the end of it, so hopefully this doesn't bloat further and it finds a way to integrate or replace pieces instead of adding on to, but it'll be cool. It'll be cool if it's good. The other one I wanted to mention real quick, and this is 100% for my son, but... It, it looks interesting. is Super Mario level up. Uh-huh. Uh, so this one, I've seen it online a couple places. I know they'll have it at Gen con too. and it's a re-implementation of King Me, an old hobby game that's not just complete, you know, Hasbro junk from when is this from two thousand four and it was released. I don't even know if it was released in the United States. It was uh, DV GyoKi. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that's any good, too. I think it's pretty low priced. It's Mario characters. I'll probably pick it up just for the heck of it and see. Uh, you know, what the kids think. I'm just intrigued by all these actual hobby-ish games. Not full hobby. They, they never go all the way. But hobby-ish coming from like Hasbro and Mattel.
0: Yeah, I, I think they see where all the money's going. They want to dip their toe into the pools, So, makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and they're still trying to keep it mass market. So, it's not that complicated. But it's um, better than the stuff we played when we were kids. That's for sure. It's <laughs>
0: true. The game that I want to talk about this week is Bob Ross Art of Chill. Now... When I first saw images and heard about this game, I thought it was an incredible joke. Someone put some random stuff together. It really wasn't a game. And, in fact, this was just kind of honoring Bob Ross, who, if you don't know, is kind of like this iconic painter. Not necessarily so much for his artwork, but for the fact that he is so amazingly, incredibly chill... happy little
1: trees
0: (laughs) happy little trees yeah when he's doing his paintings and this is way way back in the day probably about i don't know maybe close to 20 years ago and he was all about just using all these different kind of techniques and brushes and you know the way that he scraped the paintings just to kind of you know paint these beautiful outdoor images happy little trees as anthony said Happy Little Clouds. There's no such things as mistakes. It's all part. It's all good. And huge, huge afro. You've probably seen him in a lot of memes. Just an incredible story, an incredible history. Look into Bob Ross. You're going to be incredibly impressed. He used to be in the military. It's just amazing. And he just came out this very chill kind of situation. So there's an actual game behind all of this. And it's actually looking pretty decent. So as Anthony was saying, There's a lot more of these hobby games getting out to the mass market, and this happens to be one of those. And it's not a hard Euro or an Ameritrash type of game, but it's kind of a light gateway mass market game that has Euro elements to it. So basically what you're doing is you're kind of trying to out chill and out paint the other characters at the table, not to mention Bob, who's also going to be interacting in this game. So at the start of the game, you are going to get this kind of huge double-sided stack of paintings that you're gonna be painting. It's gonna show you the techniques that are needed to be used and the the different colors that you need. And as you're painting, as, as you're building up your little kind of tableau of paints and brushes, you're kind of learning things as you go along. So you're kind of gaining kind of abilities, kind of like in a Euro mechanical kind of way. And as the game goes on, you're scoring points, and Bob Ross's marker moves along the bottom because he's also kind of teaching you along the way, allowing extra points to be scored. And then there's a main board in the middle that's kind of a color chart where you're racing to get to the final kind of end spot, which is the chill area. So this is a very light Euro-esque game. has a die that adds a little randomness to it, but nothing crazy, nothing insane, And you are racing to the end. You're trying to beat out the other people, and you do so by painting. It's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting. And if you're a Bob Ross fan, it's very thematic. If you're not a Bob Ross fan, then this is probably good if your family is either into art or into kind of a light gateway game. This will be an exclusive at Target in October 2017. But if that's not your deal, I'm sure it'll eventually get to our online game stores soon after.
1: That sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, it looks really, really <laughs> good. And it, it's, it's pretty impressive. They put together a decent game, so I'm really happy to see that.
1: What is Target doing these days, man? Like, they'll get all these exclusives, and they'll clearance them out, and then they'll get new ones, and then they'll clearance them out. I guess they're trying to
0: find the right weight for the audience?
1: Maybe, yeah. Like, I know they're bringing uh, the Las Vegas, one of Drew's favorite games, yes. back um, as an exclusive to Target uh, from Robinsberger. I'm like... All right, cool. I mean, I'm cool with that, but it just seems – some of these seem almost random. Bob Ross does not seem random. It seems awesome and hopefully it's good, but some of these seem random.
0: I know Target had an exclusive Munchkin a couple of times that friendly local game stores were not happy about those exclusives, but it's becoming more and more a thing. I know Walmart had some exclusive games at one point. Walgreens, a pharmacy with kind of like a store inside, now they're selling gateway games. You can find like Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, and a couple of other – all right, so that's everything that we're looking forward to getting to the table. Now let's talk about the games we actually got to the table. Let's talk about gaming with BGA. All right, so
1: cue the music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs>
1: we got to play Godfather uh, a few times, actually, the last week and a half uh, since it came out. I think this came out It came out a little early in the stores. It, for They do this pre-release thing now. So if you have a local gaming store and they participate... Simon will send them stuff early.
0: So they made um, an offer that they couldn't refuse kind of deal.
1: Exactly. And yeah, ah. I took them up, I took them up on said offer. Um so this is The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. It is the third or fourth Godfather game in the last couple of years, but it is the one everybody should have been looking forward to because it's from Eric Lang. I know uh, that guy. Yeah, right. Um so I'm going to I'm going to split the review into two parts. Okay. The the actual production and theme and then the gameplay itself because they're I don't know. I feel like it's, it's important to separate these two, especially when you're talking about any cool mini or not game. Production wise, almost everything is fantastic. Every miniature is unique to each family. So you have the thugs are pretty much all the same, but then you have for every family and there's five different families that you can play as you have a don, an heir and a conciliary. Plus you have a mini for Vito and you have minis for the mayor, a police officer, police chief, and then something else. I forget what they are, but they're all unique and they all look really good. I get a little miniature car that moves along as a round tracker. You have a horse's head as the first player token. <laughs> oh, <geez>. um, <laughs> somebody who sat at the table this one time apparently had never seen The Godfather. And they're like, wow, this just tells me the whole plot of the movie, doesn't it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, but that's <laughs> your problem. Uh, the movie's 40 years old. Uh, <laughs> so there is a round track and it breaks it down into acts. So act one is the wedding. Act two is the Turk. Act three is Sonny's murder. Act four is the betrayal. So it kind of breaks down the beats of this of the movie for you but that's not who this is for this is for people like us who've seen it many many times mm-hmm. the so the production all that is great the map looks great you got this nice map of manhattan and little corners of brooklyn queens there it's broken up into seven different sections um, they don't necessarily all correlate properly to the actual neighborhoods in manhattan but that's fine the one area that the production seems a little cheap if anything is that all of the job cards of which there are many, and you're going to be playing a lot of them, have the exact same artwork on them. It's all just the same artwork of of Don Vito sitting there with his cat. And it's a nice piece of art, but it's the only one over and over again. So I feel like they could have done more with that. The ally cards are all unique, though. The the actual bits and pieces of illegal goods that you're picking up, while it's all the same artwork, it looks kind of cool. It's got the strings hanging from everything. The money looks great. Uh, The money is on cards, which is cool. So production-wise, it's great. It's expensive. So (laughs) that's an issue we'll get back to. Gameplay-wise... It is basically a worker placement game with area control elements and a whole lot of hand management. So you're going to place your guys out on the board, and the game starts out with one location in each of the seven areas, and then depending on how many players you have, additional locations. So if you start with, I think, three players, you're only going to have one additional location. Four, you'll have two, and five, you'll have three during the first round, and then you add one more every single round. So you have a lot of options. Each of these options, you can either place your thug directly on the action and go to the front of the business and shake it down, or you can place your family member in these round spaces between the areas and shake down a lot of different places between two and three different locations, but each location could have two or three businesses. So you could get up to six or seven actions with one guy if it's available. The goal here, obviously, you're trying to get all these illegal goods. You spend the illegal goods to complete job cards. Then you get money. That's it. You're trying to get that money from your hand into your suitcase, which is a little tin that you can open and close. And that's actually pretty difficult because there are hand limits every round. So you might end up with 10 cards at the end of a round and you're going to discard five of those called giving tribute. So you can't run around with all this extra cash. Otherwise the Don thinks you're trying to to move in on his territory. And another big piece of it is the territory control. So at the end of every round, uh, there's going to be turf control where basically every marker is worth one and whoever has control gets a marker of their own on that space. And in the next round, if somebody takes a thug action, a front action, in the space you control, you also get to take it. So you get to follow for free. So that's kind of cool. End of the game, those control markers are worth points, too, if you have majority in the area. So that's basically the whole game. There are a couple of wonky cards that you, if you teach this game, you have to tell people about or they're going to be very upset. The first time I played, I didn't know they were there. So we had a couple salty people. But there's an extortion card that lets you take three cards out of somebody's ten money cards. They get to choose... But if they only have five money in there, then they're giving up 15 points because money is points. Um, so you definitely want to put some ones away in your tin for when those cards come out. And then there's another card where you discard and people can take it from you. Plus a few cards that kill people off so you can get them off the board and take control of things. But it's not quite as take that as I would expect. Most of the cards benefit you. There's only a handful that hurt other people. And that's it. I mean, it takes about an hour, hour and a half once you get it all down. There's only the four rounds. They've all moved pretty smoothly. You get new workers in the second and fourth round, so you're always building up more workers. Yeah. So you start the game with three, and then you end the game with five, and then you can recruit additional ones. You can have as many as six. And it's it's good. It's good. I, I think it's a solid game. It's probably more streamlined than a lot of Eric Lane games. It's not overly complex. The rulebook is 30 pages long for some reason, but wow. it only took it only took like 10 minutes to read because it's just a lot of illustrations. It's a typical CMON rulebook. book. <laughs> sure. So I like the game. I think it's good. And if it was like a forty or fifty dollar game without the overproduction on the miniatures, I would have been like, "Great, pick it up. It's great." If you like the If you like the Godfather, you're gonna love this. It's an eighty dollar game, though. Wow. Um, That's a lot. It's yeah, and it's just a pretty standard Euro. You know, if this would be sixty bucks from Asmodee, if and then it wouldn't have unique miniatures, so I find it really hard to recommend as a purchase. Uh, For that reason, it does have a few issues. The flow is a little bit funny. The first player marker isn't that valuable, but it is one of the actions you take. The artwork is not unique enough in all the cards considering the cost. I don't know. I almost feel like they should have kickstarted this because then they could have at least added more stuff in to justify that cost. It's kind of like they took the approach of their Kickstarter games with the big production and then you don't get all the extra stuff that you would get with 20,000 people pre-ordering it. Sure. So it's tough. Play it. Definitely play it. I like it. Uh, it's fun. I'm happy that I have a chance to play it and probably will play it more, um, you know, especially as someone who likes the theme. But uh, it's a tough to recommend on a buy. It's just uh, too much money for not enough stuff. And it's while the mechanics blend together well, it really is like worker placement, area control, hand management. There's nothing like mind-blowingly new here. So don't knock over a store to buy this game. No, no. Ah. You can knock over the store to get the game. I don't know. You try the game. <laughs> I'm not condoning that, just so you know. Say <laughs> so, I was a little disappointed. It's... I think maybe my expectations were too high as an Eric Lane game. I don't think it's a bad game at all. If it was another designer, I'd be like, this is good. But, you know, what he's been doing lately, I was like, oh, well, this isn't... All right, it's good. I hear you. I mean, I, I guess, as you said,
0: like, somebody didn't know the movie. But even if you did know the movie, did you have to be Godfather? Could it not have just been generic mobster oh, yeah. game?
1: Yeah, yeah. it could have been anything. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be mobsters. They could have slapped a different theme. I'm like some people say it's not very thematic. I would argue argue with that I think the theme works in here pretty well um, with the way things flow, but it's a euro and because it's a euro You're really you're moving pieces around on the board. It could have been anything It could have been the 16th century if you wanted it to be it's the theme to sell the game Which is great and I'm glad there's a good godfather game because this is definitely the best godfather game by far But but yeah, that's at that price point. It's it's still it's it's a play.
0: All right well I want to talk about an interesting game as well. This is Lignum, and Lignum stands for Lumber. So this is a game by Alexander Humer. And what we're looking at here is a heavy weight euro. It rates at least a 3.5 on Board Game Geek as far as weight's concerned. And in this game, it has some really complex mechanics. You're looking at, I would say, at the very least, a two and a half hour, if not a three hour game. Now, I've been able to go through this game two and a half times. And it's a bit of a challenge, especially for new people. It's kind of like reminds me of maybe Lahav a little bit as far as if you're not up to date, if you haven't gone through the game once, and then when you play the game, if you're not doing the appropriate actions at the appropriate times, you're going to have a bad time. So I would say that if and when you do get this game... You're going to want to just play through it at least once with people. The same people that you're going to play the real quote-unquote game with. Because I think they need to see how everything actually plays out. Now, Lignum itself plays over two years split up amongst the four different seasons. The spring, summer, fall is going to be most of the production season. Whereas the winter, you're going to have to feed your people... And keep them warm. So you have a an agricola like mechanic there, which I know Anthony's a big fan of. But <laughs> feature people, man. Feature people. So basically, if you've played Kalis, or probably, I guess, a little bit more of a modern Western trail, this this board actually has a trail to it. And it's a extremely um satisfying thematic gameplay element to you are walking around the forest, this lumber area, and kind of like in a Takeda way, you're, you're, you have all these different spots you can stop at, and when you stop at those areas, you pick up those appropriate resources. So the resources in the games are extremely valuable, money is extremely tight early on in the game, so as you and your opponents bounce around the map going to the different spots, there's a lot of decisions to be made, not just what do you want to take, but also where's your opponents going to go to because they can easily shut down one of your situations. Now, you are going to need workers to chop down the wood. You're going to need workers to saw the wood and and kind of mill the wood. You're going to need equipment. As I said earlier, you're going to need food and you're going to need firewood. So going around that map is... A, interesting and challenging process as everyone jockeys for the right positions to kind of, you know, utilize their strategy to the best possibility. Because what you're doing is building for the end of that year. So you're once you get around to the end of the track, you finally get to the spots where you can actually cut down the lumber. So hopefully you've gotten enough workers, you've got enough equipment, and you get secretly to pick one of the six spots where you want to Cut down your lumber. Now, the challenge is you want to take the spot that obviously has the most lumber to fell, but you don't want to end up in a spot where somebody else is also taking down lumber because now you're jockeying for that position. Don't worry, you can kind of pay resources, or in this case, money, to be able to move to an adjacent area, but that's, as I said, since money is very tight, that's something you really don't want to do. But once you do cut down the wood, you have your own special sawmill board where you can store the wood, you can saw the wood, you can dry the wood for extra victory points. And in this game, money is victory points. So as I said, money is very tight to come by. And in the second year, you're going to have more money because at the end of the year, you've sold a lot of your lumber off or your firewood. But now at this point, you don't want to give up all your money because that's victory points in the game. So there is a how-bill how big to build the engine, and then when to kind of shut that engine down because if you have too many materials, it's not going to translate into money at the end of the game. This game is very tight, very unforgiving as far as not taking the right path or getting blocked out by other people. Now, Eurogamers tend to like to play their own games. This has a lot of interaction as far as denying other people resources and workers. The game is... Fun. The game is thematic, but the game is definitely punishing um, as you try to meet these certain orders, what woods they need. And I guess the last thing I want to say about this game, just generally, is the game is not colorblind friendly. So if you have any challenges with that or your eyesight might be an issue, the pieces are kind of nondescript and a lot of the browns are kind of nondescript. So you might have a little bit of a challenge with that. So if you have somebody at your table who is... You know, Colorblind, I would pass on this game completely. It just probably would not work for them. Somebody at my game table had a problem with this and we had to kind of play something else. I do recommend this game for a play, but it is a significant amount of dedication and time you have to put into this game in order to get the most out of it. You're going to need at least, I would say two if not three playthroughs. One's just to learn the game and see how everything follows through in that first year. So like practice, take a a first run through. Then once you get that done, you're play through the second year and then you watch everyone take your spots. (laughs) And (laughs) then by the third year, you have a backup strategy and you're ready to go. So this game is a solid play. I can't recommend this as a buy because it is extremely tight. You're going to get stuck in certain spots because of the other people taking your things. And if you make mistakes or don't plan properly early on, you're going to get penalized really, really badly at the end of
1: the year. Oof. Uh, Other than Agricola, I mean, is there anything recent you would compare it to?
0: I mean, like I said, Kalis has a very similar mechanic where you have a pathway that you're traveling and people can place, you know, certain kind of obstacles. So in this place... So in this game, they're not placing buildings down to kind of stop you or slow you down. But at the same point, if they get to those areas, you're going to get penalized. So that pathway with penalties and second-guessing your opponents is very kalis like which is kind of a classic game. But beyond that, I would say... a I guess Agricola is probably the closest thing. So it's a mixture of Kalis and Agricola. If you love Kalis and you love Agricola, I think you'll love this game. If you're not a fan of either of those, you're going to have a hard time with this
1: game. All right. So great for you, bad for me. Yeah. Got it.
0: Uh, I'm happy with this game, but it is a very painful teaching and learning process. And it's only it's only for certain gamers because it's
1: it's going to punish you. Okay. Well, so. I will not do that then i hate that i hate that <laughs> mechanic so much oh you I mean, made a mistake in the first turn i know it's been three hours but you lose <laughs> like,
0: yeah it's definitely like that and then like i said the pathway situation like you and i are playing against each other i really need that that spot you got there and now i have to kind of rethink my my strategy so the ap is a little bit heavy in this game as well
1: yeah eh, well i definitely want to try it maybe sure. i'll squeeze in a play at gen con yeah around it's uh,
0: definitely worth the play, but as I said, it's it's a it's it's for the not for the faint of heart. Like I said, this is definitely a three point five. I would say, it's it's up there. It's maybe even a three point seven, just for the fact that the AP and the advanced planning and the players that you're playing against can really kind of slow you down. All right, all right. So that's lignum. It's all about lumber, and uh, if you get a chance to play this, I would recommend. But please stay for more than one game because you really need to kind of. See how this game plays out. Okay, so that's everything from your BGA team. Now let's get on to your questions. So for our feature review, we want to get back to the listeners and see what they're talking about. And if we could answer some of their questions. So Anthony, what are our listeners asking about?
1: Yeah, so I put this out uh, about a week ago. And we got a decent number of responses. And hey, don't you guys don't have to wait until you know I ask for them too. Like if you have questions... Anytime shoot them over. If it's something that we haven't talked about before or something that if we feel like everybody will want to hear the answer to, we'll almost certainly put it on the podcast. So definitely do that. Um and if people like this and we get more questions, we might do a future episode like this as well where we kind of run through some of these questions for you.
0: As you always know, Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, even our guild on board game geek. Even iTunes and Stitchers with their reviews, you can throw some questions in there. We definitely want to hear from you. Our Patreon account, our YouTube channel, there are a lot of ways to get to us. Please reach out and contact us. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's no excuse not to. You can't be like, I don't use Facebook. Like, well, you know what? You don't have to. (laughs) And we love hearing from you. We
0: really do. We do this podcast for our fellow gamers at the table. And what you want to talk about is what
1: we want to talk about. Exactly. So let's dive into these questions. All right, so the first question on the list here is a little bit longer, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. Uh, Kurt Krupp says, I am only about a year into the board gaming hobby, and I already have seen some of my games come and go. Some of the first games I bought I have already traded, like Space Hulk Death Angel, Warhammer Quest, Adventure Card Game, and Sentinels of the Multiverse. My tastes have changed in this short year. Do you think every gamer goes through these evolutions, and what are some of the games you first bought that are not in your collection anymore. Wow. Thanks. Love the show. Thanks, Kurt.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What do you got, Anthony? I don't think I have any of the games I originally bought because I didn't know what I was doing. Like I, my first hobby game purchase was Catan uh, and not even because I played it like when we met up early on. It was just like, oh, this is a game everybody has. Right. And then I realized nobody plays it. So I got rid of that. I had a copy of Flux. Also got rid of that. I think the only game I purchased in that first like month or two that I still have is Mice and Mystics. And I don't even play it that much. And I'm pretty sure my wife paid for it. So, yeah, I'm totally with you, man. You don't know what you like right away, but you want to you're excited. You want to go buy stuff. I did the same thing. And uh, only now do I really understand. And seriously, by that, really only now do I seriously understand what I like. (laughs) I just went through all my games this weekend and there's a big old pile of stuff where I'm like, why did I buy these? So still happens years later.
0: Yeah, I think for myself and Anthony and I were talking about this recently, I didn't go into purchasing games based upon anything in particular. But I wanted to have a wide range of games. So I would say while there are games that maybe I don't get to the table much, I haven't really gotten rid of anything in particular. There are still a couple of games that are still in shrink wrap. So one day, man, one day they're going to get to the table. But yeah, you definitely want to build your game collection or your game collection absolutely positively evolves based upon your gamer group. So once upon a time, it was a lot of Ameritrash and social deduction games, and now it's a lot of heavy Euros. So while those have taken up space, the other stuff have gotten to boxes and probably will get out here sooner than later.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, early on I bought a lot of two player games because I was like, My wife will play. And then I didn't happen. So <laughs> now honestly, if I buy games now like with my own money and go out and like hunt down a game, it kinda has to have a solo mode to it or be something that I'm really, really excited about, like a new Stefan Feld game, because otherwise I don't know if I'll play it. So it's definitely changed a lot from back in the day where I'm like, Big game. You know, Game of Thrones board game, which I've still never played and it's in my basement, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's, as you said, one of the biggest things that I think about now when I buy a game. It's like, I really want this game, but am I ever going to get it to the table? And if I don't think I'm going to get it to the table as much as I want it because I'm a collector of board games, I just don't have the money to actually do that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's funny how long it takes to get to the point where you actually can be honest with yourself about that. Like, no, I'll get this out eventually. But when you start going through your collection and it's been two or three years and you're like, still haven't played this game. That's okay, it really just needs to go. Like, I can't, I can't look at this anymore.
0: I When I first picked up Star Wars Rebellion, I was talking to one of my my gamer friends at game night, and his name's actually Chris as well. And I said, you know, I got Star Wars Rebellion. And he kind of looked at me, and, and he didn't put his hand on my shoulder, but I, it, it felt that way. He was like, you'll get that to the table. Yeah, you'll get to that to the table. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, he's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. I, I have yet to play it, and I've had it for a, almost a year now, so... Yeah. I understand
0: that one. Absolutely. All right. So what's next?
1: All right. uh, James Ferenkopf asks, what was the biggest surprise board game for you? A game that either wasn't on your radar or that you didn't expect much out of and that ended up being very interesting and or fun.
0: Well, I can jump into that one really simple. I think that's Railroad Revolution. I think I talked about this a while back in a review. Someone had brought it to the table and I I had my fingernails firmly entrenched into the table because I wanted to leave but I really shouldn't leave because I'm gaming with friends and I don't want to play this very boring Euro game with very generic graphics and that's just one of the billionth train games I've seen at the table and I absolutely completely loved it and was kind of shocked and thrown by it and... Yeah, I'm, I can't wait to get that game back to the table. And probably on a, just a little bit of side note, First Class. First Class seemed like a complete throwaway game, and I love that game. I just absolutely love those games, and that's funny because I'm not a train guy. And I know there's so many train games out there, but both of those games blew me away.
1: Yeah, yeah, this happens to be a, a fair amount. Um, I think, ironically enough, uh, the, the big Kickstarter things that tend to slip by and nobody's paying attention to. Like Gloomhaven, I backed on a lark, but I didn't expect him to pull that off. Um, I certainly didn't expect it to be as good as it was. So that one was a bit surprising, even though I did pay for it. Um, <laughs> and then another more recent one that's been surprising to me was the escape room games. I don't generally like these kind of group puzzles, but I kind of discovered that playing them alone or with one other person, I really, really enjoy these kind of escape room puzzle. So now I'm excited for all of them to come out and I've been collecting them, um, whereas before I was very actively avoiding them. Okay, what's up next? All right, so Howard has uh, two questions. All right. The first of which I, I can answer real quick. Uh, it's, where do you keep a list of the games BGA has reviewed with your ratings? Right. Um, so the simple answer to that is we don't. Ah. <laughs> we... That's a lot of work, and I didn't think to do it until we had like three or four hundred reviews up. So, it's on my to do list. If if there's anybody out there who wants to help, then you know you, you are more welcome, more than welcome to help. The, the the goal for me this summer is to get up a geek list that has everything we've reviewed, mm-hmm. um, with the you know play dodge, buy burn whatever the rating was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something <laughs> like four hundred and ninety five games right now. So, wow. it'll take some time. But any if there's any intrepid volunteers out there, Howard then we can can get that up for you.
0: See, Howard doesn't understand that in order for us to do anything, we have to be volunteered by Daniel. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I haven't done it. That's So, Howard, send that email to Daniel to tell Anthony to do that, or if you're available, we would love for
1: you to do that as well. Yeah, (laughs) and I'm mostly kidding. Nobody has to do anything. But if you want to, Just saying.
0: No, that would be a great idea because we really should have a collection of that up there so people can have a nice buying guide.
1: Yeah, definitely. I thought I myself have gone to go back and see what my rating was on a game from like two years ago, and I have you have to listen through the old episodes, which is, especially as somebody who was on the episode, possibly edited it, depending on how old it is, and if not edited it, listened to it upon upload. I don't really want to go back and listen to the old episodes, but... Sometimes you need to know if you're talking about something new or re-release. So that, that'll definitely something on my to-do list for you guys. Okay. And right.
0: this is second question.
1: Has anyone ever beaten BGA at games they own? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All the time.
0: I, I don't think that either you or I are competitive gamers and don't really jump into the like, conventions for that. It's just we like to play the games for the games, for the game experience, and for the table experience with other people... I know you and I have played competitions, and we've been pretty successful with that, but generally, it's not really our thing.
1: Okay, so what's up next? All right, which board games would you like to burn? That's from (laughs) GearMech. I'll let you go first, because you have more of these than I do. I got to pull up my board game geek list for
0: this. (laughs) Uh, Off the top of my head, uh, geez, there's there's unfortunately a good number of them. I, I probably have two types of areas where... I'm really cranky when it comes to certain games. If a game tends to be just a game experience, like, oh, I played through that. It wasn't. It didn't really need me to play. It could have played it itself. That kind of burns me a little bit. And if a game is just broke, there are a lot of broke games. And thankfully, I can't remember them all, all off the top of my head. I guess one that's just a little bit of both would probably be, and I know everyone's going to hate this, but Galaxy Trucker. It seems to play itself. It... it doesn't really do much as far as engaging the gamer. The The actions you take are pretty obvious and how or when your ship blows up is really kind of out of your control. So yeah, I would say probably Galaxy Trucker is probably the best game that I would probably want to burn.
1: Yeah, I don't know that I've ever reviewed a game that I burned. Let's see. I did review last year after Gen Con Three Wishes. That was a burn for me. It was like everybody said it was the next love letter, and it was not at all the next love letter. It was bloated and long and random, and you were guessing constantly. You couldn't actually gather enough information to make educated guesses on anything. That was a tough one for me. Won't burn it yet, but there was one game we played uh, back in February, Zaya, that I was very unhappy with. <laughs> so, um, And that game was one of those situations where I'm like, it doesn't matter what I do. The game just doesn't care, sure. and I just keep blowing up. This is fun. Uh, so that wasn't very much fun.
0: That's not because I won that game, right?
1: (laughs) No, no, no. I hated it long before you won. In fact, I appreciated that you won because you ended it. (laughs) I did. I
0: was like, how fast can I end this game?
1: (laughs) Anthony looks mad. (laughs) But yeah, looking through my old list of stuff, there's really not that many burns in here for me. There's a good number of dodges, but uh, it takes a lot for me to get that angry at a game. Trick-taking games have done it before, although more modern ones tend not to because... They get rid of that whole you don't get a turn for three rounds problem that I dislike. All right.
0: Well yeah, well certainly we'll have to go back, as Howard said, put together that list and you'll get to see all our burns.
1: Yeah, yeah, which are I think four or five from Chris, like twelve from Daniel, and (laughs) zero from me. (laughs) There you go. Daniel burned everything. He's like, this game is horrible. (laughs) I was hungry when I played. I'm mad. OK. All right. So Connor Sutton on Twitter asked, what is the most popular game that you don't understand why everyone likes that you think is overrated?
0: I can't say Galaxy Trucker again, can I?
1: No. Uh, I could everyone.
0: Let's see. What's a game? Oh, Splendor. I was talking about oh, that yeah, last yeah. week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, from- you guys out there, you gamers are brilliant gamers. I've game with so many different people. I adore you all. If you like Splendor, more power to you. I just don't get the appeal to it. I want to. I bought the app. I bought, you know, I spent money on this. I just, I can't wrap my head around why people love this game so much. There are so many better games in Splendor. Please play Century Spice Road. It's a better game.
1: <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, for me, it's going to be Codenames. I, I talked about this last week with Word Slam, how it was actually engaging and fun. And it made me really think about Codenames. This isn't very engaging, nor is it very fun. The concept is fantastic, and when it works, it works well, but it almost never works well. That's really any kind of party or social deduction style game. When it works, it's great, but when it doesn't, it puts me to sleep. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, All right, so Connor's other question is, what is your favorite game that you never get anyone to play with you? Jeez,
0: that's a rough one.
1: I know this one. This one's easy for me uh spirium so (laughs) this game is in my top 10 and i have not played it in maybe a year and a half because no one will play this game with me (laughs) i bring it to game night like at least once a month and i know one other guy who likes it but you really can't play the game with two people i don't know what it is about it most people don't even know what it is sure they just look at the cover and they're like "Meh," (laughs) and they just i can't get them to play i guess i need to do a better job of talking it up um, I know you've pointed out many times that the game could have used an expansion, oh, some variability at the end. Yeah. So when playing with people who've played it before, I understand why they don't want to play. But people who haven't played it before, it's just that it's not new. Sure. So it's I've, I've missed my window on that game. It's really hard to get out now.
0: I implore the publisher, please put together an expansion. It's a solid game. It just needs a little bit more
1: and some... Something just at the end of the, of the game. And this game
0: would probably pop with some people.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think it would be great. Oh, man, it would make me so happy if they re- re-release this. Because <laughs> it's it's legitimately one of my favorite games that I never, ever play. Like, oh. it's the highest ranked game in my collection that I haven't played in the last year. So, ugh.
0: Well, I would probably say, and it's, it's a little strange, and, and I know it's just basically because of the theme. And that would be Rococo. Mm-hmm. Because it's this very opulent time in history where it's all about clothing and all this other random fanciness so when you explain the the game to people typically you go into the theme and it kind of shuts people down i don't want to play a game about dressmaking and it's an extremely good game it's just a fine fine game it has this really interesting deck building mechanic and in which When you build your deck and as you purchase cards, the purchase cards come into your hand. You can play them right away, but you have to play your whole deck at some point. So as you pick up cards, you get to decide what order you want to play those things in. But whatever you've added to your hand or what's there originally is going to come out eventually. So it's really engaging. You're always thinking about what you're going to be doing in later rounds and what's necessary to do. And it's just a really fine, fun, fun game theme or not it's solid and I wish more people would play that game
1: yeah I still have not played it and I don't think it's because of the theme I, it's probably because of the theme and other people don't bring it out but sure I, I would love to play it I've been hearing you rave about it for a year and a half
0: yeah and it just got a recent expansion it's a it's a literally a jeweler expansion so don't don't let that put you off it's a really good game and the theme and the artwork is great so why not get involved in a solid euro deck building game that has a wonderful board mechanic to it
1: yeah definitely all right Um, all right so we're running a bit long so we're just gonna do one more of these uh, and we'll we'll bring some back in the future if we have some extras here Uh, but major havoc asks kickstarter exclusives yay or nay
0: i'm going to say yay because I'm not sure why I'm paying MSRP otherwise. I don't like early bird stuff. I think that's tremendously unfair. That they have a small select group of people who get to pay 5 to $10 less. And then I get to sit on a, on a Kickstarter campaign for the next, I don't know, month or two. Knowing that I'm paying $10 more than somebody else who got there five minutes before I did. So... There has to be some sort of incentive to back the game early because, let's be honest, sometimes even if you back a Kickstarter, you're not getting the game first. Other people sometimes get the game first, so why am I paying in advance, sometimes a year to two years in advance for a game that I'm not going to have in my hand? I'd rather have the money and buy a full price when it comes out instead of paying in advance because, honestly, most publishers don't need Kickstarter to publish their game. They're just using it for marketing.
1: Yes, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit harder on the no side not a full no because I do like my Kickstarter exclusives But sure. I don't like when they're gameplay dependent because sure. if I go pick up a game later and decide Oh now I want to get this like we were just talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game on the other podcast Every night is game night and apparently the solo expansion is a Kickstarter exclusive. So I will never buy that game now That's stupid. That's just incredibly stupid. I don't know why you would do that You've made it so I like somebody who wants that particular part of the game just won't buy it yeah um I,
0: I would think that the kickstarter exclusives it could be something functional like i think champions murky recently had if you bought it you got the expansions would fit into one box that's very nice yeah. or if it's alternate artwork for certain cards that's nice or if it's upgraded pieces that's nice because i can buy upgrade pieces somewhere else but here it is mm-hmm. so yeah
1: yeah, I don't even mind. Like Blood Rage is a good example for me, and I know some people still get salty that they can't get that stuff. But none of the exclusives in Blood Rage are important. They were like broken, overpowered monsters that I don't even play with because they break the game. Mm-hmm. There was a fifth fifth player that you could buy. But I think that's fine the way they do that. They're basically just giving you extra free stuff that they're going to sell later. But when you dig in on stuff like actual expansions for gameplay modes that you can only get through the Kickstarter or All the stuff that they throw in, like with Arcadia Quest or Zombicide, that you were never going to get elsewise. I don't know, man. I don't really like it.
0: Well, I look at it as it's going to be full price on the market if they didn't give it to you as an exclusive. So they need an incentive to make you give them their money two years in advance. I mean, you're not going to make a lot of interest on that, but it's still $100 two years before you get a game. So that's true. That's true. I need something on my return there because I'll just wait till the game hits the market. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. I'd just be
1: happy if they gave you it for cheap. Like Gloomhaven is a great example. I paid $80, I think, in the first Kickstarter. I sure. think MSRP is for 140 So that's a good deal. <laughs> I'll take that. And there were no exclusives in there. So
0: Yeah, I think it's just generally Kickstarter Was initially intended to be something to crowdfund things that couldn't be funded otherwise. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a marketing pre-order. Yeah. Which is fine. But if you're going to do that, then you've got to give me some reason for you to give me my money way, way in advance.
1: Yeah. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. So. All right. So that's everything for our feature review. Please keep asking new questions so we can bring this feature back. And if you did like us going through listeners' questions, please let us know on, as I said, all of our social media outlets. This way we know if this should be brought back as a regular feature. But until next time, this is Chris.
1: And this is Anthony.
0: And we'll save you a seat on a happy little cloud. (laughs) Thanks, Bob.